this is Mark Steger, the Demogorgon from Stranger Things, and you are listening to the Station of Decapitation without your head. Decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Reese Wakefield of The Purge, the upcoming third season of True Detective, and his new movie, The Grandson, which is on video demand tomorrow, uh, the 14th, depending when you're listening to this. So it's uh, cool to have you here. How are you doing? Hey, I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. It's good to be here. So, <laughs> yeah, now I've seen The Grandson, but for people who haven't yet, uh, can you give them an idea of what the movie's about? Uh, the grandson is about uh, a young man and his sister living in a very wealthy, well-to-do house and lifestyle, and that lifestyle is being threatened to be taken away from them. And my character goes at all lengths uh, to basically preserve this lifestyle for himself, this wealthy, well-to-do mm-hmm. life, um, and he will do it at all costs. So, yeah. Uh, I would say it's like a mystery crime mm-hmm. thriller. Mm-hmm. I really, I really dug it, and our critic on our website gave it a four out of five, which is a uh, very high for him, especially. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's sick! I'm so pleased to hear that. Yeah. Now your character's, you know, pretty pretentious and uh, not necessarily mm-hmm. likable guy. So how how do you <laughs> keep like uh, keep that, but yet you know still make the you know because you still make the movie you want something you want to watch and follow a character that isn't necessarily a likable person. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, that was the really fun challenge for me. I think going into this was like, how do you make this incredibly antagonistic character, the protagonist? Um, he, the angle that I was trying to take, I suppose, with it to mitigate that feeling was that this is really a boy um, who is realizing that he finally has consequences to his actions, but he may be realizing it a moment too late. So I think like with the naive sort of angle or taking some components or some, some moments throughout the movie to make him feel a little more innocent um, and childlike, I hope that makes him somewhat more, uh, we feel more compassion toward him. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he certainly is a sociopath. In, in, yeah. More ways than one. I think that's something that's really become, uh, like in the last maybe 15 years or so, in movies and TV, is like the anti hero, where it's someone that uh, normally wouldn't have been a, the guy that you want to you root for in the movie but or in a TV show. But uh, why do you think that is? Why do you think people are drawn right. to the anti hero? I think that's a really smart, um, a smart observation. I, I guess I would say people are audiences are very complex now. I think maybe once when movies were in an earlier iteration of what they were, 
people were very much about this is good, this is bad, dark side, light side, mm-hmm. um, evil, evil corrupts. I mean, whereas now, I think people really like to digest more colorful and contrasted characters because it's maybe a, a greater reflection of ourselves and our society, which is that we aren't just one or two cookie cutter things. Uh, we are all very complex animals. So mm. I think that that maybe has something to do with it. It sort of allows us to explore our own darkness without acting on it. Mm-hmm. In the grandson uh, particular, there's really not even any like per- character you'd say is like, is the good, good guy or the, the hero right. or anything. So it's uh, kind of different than uh, what like typical, typical storytelling would be, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it certainly doesn't um, fall into maybe the more conventional yeah. tropes that we would expect from this kind of a movie. Mm-hmm. So how did you get involved in it? Uh, it, it the script, I read the script quite some time ago now, um, and the movie had a few iterations uh, where it was going to go. You know how indie films are. They're sort of going to go, and then they don't, and then they do, and then they don't. Uh, <laughs> So I, I really love Robert, uh, Robert Lozival, the director. I think that he was really hungry about this vision that he had for the movie, which was so influenced by a lot of Italian cinema. He, he showed me movies like Purple Moon and Go With a Suitcase. Um, and I could actually, re- I could grasp the story he was trying to tell. For me, it was difficult, as we said earlier, to imagine how a psychopath could be our lead. Um, mm-hmm. but those movies sort of helped me understand that it was yeah. possible. Now, uh, did you meet, did you know him prior to doing the movie? I didn't, I didn't. I met him for this, uh, for this project. Mm-hmm. Was this, uh, is this his first, um, feature? It's not, he directed a feature, um, a couple, uh, a couple years prior called all God's children can dance. So this mm-hmm. is his second feature. And then he's directed a bunch of commercials and whatnot um, outside of that. Yeah. yeah. So what was he like uh, on set when you're, when you're making the movie? I mean, I appreciate so much how collaborative he was. Um, you know, we were really, I, I felt like I was really able to breathe life into this person in my own way and not feel stifled. Uh, and he was so open to suggestions and sort of weirdness. I wanted to, bring some strangeness to this character and I like how unapologetic he was about that. He was kind of decidedly overt about telling a story of just grotesque characters, really. Um, <laughs> it's kind of this, the dinner table scene was just really enjoyable. I think for him to shoot because we get all of these really toxic and frightening characters all together at the dinner table. And mm-hmm. it sort of informs why they're all just so toxic and strange. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, he was he was a real joy to work with. Yeah, so something I find interesting too is uh, I don't give too much away, but it's kind of early in the movie. But uh, the, the death of uh, of a character, which really is what the movie's about, uh, the actual like yeah. murder doesn't seem like important at all to your character. It's really about uh, getting away with it and, and disposing of the body and not letting anyone else find out. Right. Totally. I think that he, yeah, he's the ultimate hedonist in that way. His greatest concern is self-preservation rather than someone else. 
Um, <laughs> and I think telling the story in Hollywood or in this like really wealthy mansion in Hollywood um, really emphasizes that feeling um, mm-hmm. where these people in this world are all incredibly opportunistic and will step over your dead body if it means having an opportunity so uh-huh yeah and there's a there's a great scene i i actually thought it was um like an ode to a taxi driver where you're looking out the window with the gun kind of pointing at people walking by uh, i don't know if, oh, if you picked right. up on that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally i i think that that works so effectively it's very cool it's like mm-hmm. again that's like this child playing Definitely. unable yeah. to really grasp the consequences yet mm-hmm. yeah, you're even making the noise it's like yeah, you're making the bang noises and stuff. It is yeah, yeah, like yeah. a kid. <laughs> uh, so, it was uh, what, was the, what, what was that? What was that? Sorry, making gun, like bang noises. Yeah, into your mouth. exactly. Like, pill, pill. Uh, yeah. I, I really have to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think you can even buy toy guns anymore, which probably makes sense if I think about it. But when I was a kid, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Had, had their guns. Yeah, and, yeah. Play robbers totally. or. Cowboys and Indians, whatever. So, uh, what was uh, Leslie Ann Warren like? Because uh, she's amazing in the movie. She's so amazing in the movie, and to work with, she was, she's such a complex and interesting artist. So I found it such an honor, really, to to work with her, to be able to work off of her, uh, and to sort of spar off each other. I, I think she's just such an artist, such a talent, and the stories that she can tell, you know, from her career and her past and stories of meeting and working with Walt Disney and meeting Walt Disney. Like it's pretty wild. Yeah. This person has really been there and experienced a lot. So I have a great amount of respect for her. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think she looks and, and sounds so spectacular. This character is so spectacular. So, Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, even though you've been in a lot of stuff, but, uh, um, What's it like when you work with like a veteran uh, actor? Uh, do you learn a lot from them? You know, just working with them. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's pretty amazing to be able to see how a lifetime of work for these these people has shaped their craft or their tools. Um, how they get into a character, what their tricks are or what their, their thoughts and processes are. I mean, it, it's, yeah, I feel like a, I always can never really believe it. I mean, when I was lucky enough to work with Ethan Hawke, that was one of mm. the most informative experiences I would say as an actor, as a young actor, just to see how he carried himself on a set. The tone that these individuals can create on a set is really everything and they can make it feel horrible or they can make it feel amazing. And it really is, up to those individuals and I I have nothing but respect for a lot of the people that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. So uh, where was that house you filmed in? Uh, that was in Silver Lake. It's called the Paramore Estate. It was previously called the Carino uh, Can Marino Estates, I think. Um, but yeah, the Hills of Silver Lake. And it was formerly owned by a silent film actress who perished over the hills of Mulholland back in the 30s. She oh, wow. the car off the cliff. So, yeah, so there's history to it. Yeah, what? pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. When, you're a play- when you do film in a place that does have history to it, 
do you do you feel like a certain atmosphere at all? Does, does that affect you? You know, when when you're Definitely. making a movie. Yeah, I think that the location is it just really helps. Once you're sitting and standing in this in the space, it informs everything. Especially when it's your character's own house, it's sort of. Mm-hmm have this it just informs so much of them um this house in particular had taxidermy everywhere like the the most unbelievable old school (laughs) taxidermy from the 20s and 30s um which was very eerie to be walking amongst (laughs) yeah that kind of gives it a connection to norman bates now another you know psychopath and right it really does yes totally (laughs) there is an inadvertent connection to that without a doubt and what's also very cool this is like me fanboying in one element of the house. There's this dead weight. I think it's they're called dead weight. Those uh, trapdoor kitchen elevator things. Okay. Uh, that exists in the kitchen of this house. And when I first saw it, I recognized it from a movie that was familiar to me, Halloween H2O. I don't oh. know if you're familiar, but in Halloween H2O, there's this sequence where the killer is chasing this girl and her leg gets caught in this elevator. And it was the very same elevator, and I worked out that the whole movie had been shot in the same house, which is one of my favorite <laughs> horror movies. Oh, so that wow, cool. that's pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. So, so were you always a horror movie fan? I really was growing up. I really did like horror. Um, I mean, I loved the Scream series and the original Poltergeist films and uh, – some of the Halloween H2O films. I mean, the original Halloween movie is amazing. The wide, yeah, those definitely. wide angle shots. I mean, yeah, I, I really like horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you looking forward to the new Halloween? I can't wait, dude. I cannot wait to see Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's really cool. Nick Castle's playing uh, uh, Michael Myers again, you know, from the original movie. It's uh, all yeah, really yeah. cool. It's awesome. And apparently, uh, John Carpenter's doing the whole score yeah. as well. Um, mm-hmm. We're working with the, yeah, I, I think it sounds pretty rad. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, uh, since you're always a horror fan, when, when, you, uh, when you got the role for The Purge, um, what, what uh, interested you about, about that, uh, about the role and about the whole concept of The Purge? Because it was really original. Yeah, I... I totally underestimated how much people would respond to the concept of the purge. I thought that it was maybe a little too out there sincerely, which sounds crazy now, given there's so many movies and a TV show made of it, but it just felt too out there to really imagine people being okay with this idea that a society would ever get to a point where murder was, was legal. That just seemed far fetched to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was wrong, obviously, uh, but I was really drawn. I mean, obviously the concept was, was original, uh, but I was mostly drawn to the character. I just thought he was, he had so much power and, and arrogance. Um, I thought it would be really a fun challenge to try to feel that confident in someone else's skin. So that was, that was a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, though, it is a, it's a very, uh, it's not really necessarily like a horror concept. It's more like something from Black Mirror or like a, a Twilight Zone, right. I think, where it's you know really about social totally. commentary, but you know set in that genre. And um, it, it, actually, when I brought up you know uh, uh, about people being attracted, well, being into uh, the anti here, when I mentioned you were going to come on the show, uh, you, you probably know this, but you have a lot of uh, female followers 
who are really in, especially into the purge, into your character in the purge, which I thought was uh, was very interesting <laughs> that they would be you know attracted to, uh, to that particular character. I I know that is that is very interesting. You're right. Like it's it's a strange thing when someone comes up to me with this big grin on their face and they're like, "You terrified the crap out of me. I <laughs> thought you were the scariest." motherfucker I'd ever seen. And you're kind of like, this shouldn't be a compliment, but your tone is a compliment to me, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so it's a funny thing. I don't know. I, I think people like to be scared. I, I guess it's just a, innately scary. Yeah. Uh, how did that role affect your life? Because that really became one of the um, like the symbols for the purge is, you, you know, your big smile into the uh, into the looking into like the uh, into the right. people, to the eye hole. Right, you're right. It's 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 been surreal, honestly. I mean, it's especially strange because you create or the creation of a movie or a project is like so little and intimate, and things like just the costume that I was wearing, the shoes that I picked, or the the tie that I wanted to wear. These elements then became repeated at things like Universal Studios. There was someone playing my character at the Halloween Horror Nights and like I mean I'm this kid from the suburbs of Australia man I, it was it was so unbelievable to see that I went to Universal Studios as a kid with my family like and to witness something like that was really really cool it was, it was awesome I um, yeah that, that was a cool moment so mm-hmm. speaking of how did how did you go from uh you know growing up in Australia to uh being an actor in Hollywood I was lucky enough to get on this TV show there um, when I was 16, this, this show called Home and Away. And mm. it's this nighttime soap that's on five nights a week. So the turnaround is, is really fast. Um, so that was this show that I was on for a couple of years and that allowed me to transition over into a couple movies. And mm-hmm. I shot this movie called Sanctum that was this James Cameron produced uh, thriller and that sort of got me over here uh, in terms of American representation and and whatnot but I mean I, I just feel like a fan of movies I sometimes can't believe that I'm working on them it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty funny yeah well yeah it's cool actually I was thinking when you said you like you you know uh, scream was like some one of your favorite things you know to grow up watching that and then to be like you know, kind of an iconic character, really, in The Purge. That's right, like, right. Uh, kind of a big deal. That they sort of, like, discuss, like, the tropes of the psychopath or the killer. Or, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, how about your parents? Uh, were they cool with you watching horror movies? And uh, did they watch your current movies? Um, I think that the majority of my horror viewing movie experience happened at uh, my without my parents really knowing. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> And I also had an older brother who uh, <laughs> sort of, I think, got a lot of joy out of terrifying me at a young age by showing these movies when I probably shouldn't have been watching them. Uh-huh. So uh, uh, back to the, the grandson, which, uh, by the way, do you know why they changed the names? The original name was uh, American Pets. Good question. I don't. I think it was a decision of the distributor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really not sure. I guess mm-hmm. American Pets, maybe it sounds too common. I'm not sure. 
Yeah. I don't know. I think there's something interesting about that because uh, it kind of makes you think about right. the whole premise of the movie and stuff. But uh, maybe right, it's not right. appealing to a larger yeah. audience. I don't know. But yeah, I, I like the original title. So, uh, yeah, like uh, Fa- pets running this little house. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fabian uh, Teresa, or Therese, who plays uh, your sister, uh, what was she like to work with? Oh, man, she's amazing. I really had so much respect for the character that she brought to the set. I mean, she had built this sort of entire world for this girl and she offered me so much. I, uh, yeah, I, I really, I think that she's so talented. I, I think that I'm always really excited to see what she's up to and what she's going to do next. Um, because she's on the rise and she's, she's just got such a great look. She sort of does, she has such subtle, uh, subtle choices that she makes that, just come alive on camera. I, I think, yeah, she's a really talented actor. Yeah, I think she's got a unique look too, which is good. Yeah, yeah, like uh, very, uh, very attractive, but at the same time, like uh, a real person, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think she has such a texture and um, this kind of humanity with her expression that she brings forward, which was so important for the character that I was playing. I mean, so many of his decisions were derived around protecting the sister. Um, mm-hmm. So I, she just brought so much reality to it. It just, I mean, it made my life so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's a, like, uh, we brought up Leslie before, but I really like that character. Cause you don't necessarily see that in a lot of movies. Uh, like the, the older actor who's, uh, you know, you know, what happens to them later in their career and, you know, trying to hold on to that and everything. And it brings a totally different element to the movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I really don't think there's many female characters that I've seen recently that are like this, that are as bombastic as she is uh, mm-hmm. when we first meet her. Uh, she's so unapologetic. I think it's very cool. Yeah. So uh, did you... So um, when, when we were called Cart and Leslie would be like, Hey, what do you guys think? Like, how is that? Like, should we, should we go again? You know, like just so gentle and lovely. Uh-huh. And then this character is this monster. That's why she's such a good actor. Yeah. So, uh, when you saw the, I assume you saw the finished movie and you see it all edited together and you with the score and everything. Uh, what did you think? I am really happy with it. It's been such a long, um, process and it's such a unique, uh, movie in the sense that I think it's, more about this feeling that it, it evokes um, over the course of watching it. Uh, so I am really happy with it. I'm really happy with the lack of conventional tone. It kind of feels like a European film to me, mm. if that makes any sense. Um, I agree. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I'm just proud of the world. I, I always hope that the movies I'm in just feel like there's this distinct world that you wish that you could dive into to just sort mm-hmm. of look around um, yeah. And I think Robert really achieved that. Yeah. When he's mentioned the tone, that's uh, complete. Like, um, cause it's not the movie is a judgmental to any of the characters, like telling you what to think of anybody. It just kind of leaves it up to you. It's just basically right. showing what was happening, which uh, I, I totally. enjoy. That movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of up to your own morality to decide how you feel or how repulsed you are or aren't. Mm hmm. I imagine you can't talk about it because I don't think it even comes, doesn't come out till next year. But uh, can you say anything about True Detective season three? 
Um, I, I wish I could say, I wish yeah. I could talk about it more. Uh, except that, I mean, we've, we've wrapped now. Uh, we shot it in okay. Fayetteville, Arkansas. And uh, I really think, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan and I have been a huge fan of the series. And I think that it's going to be quite special this season. I, I just think yeah. that Herschel and Steven are so, so good. Um, so I'm really excited for people to see that world. Yeah, I'm really happy it's back because I know uh, it looked like it was it wasn't they weren't going to do anymore. But uh, so I'm really excited to right. see season three. Uh, the first season right. really yeah. I think is one of the best uh, seasons of any show I've ever seen. It's just uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. It's just amazing. Yeah, just this like incredible little gift that just arrived out of the blue and it's just spectacular. I think it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it was, I think it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. And I promise, I promise I would ask a question here from Claire Connolly. Uh, she wants to know, um, how did you prepare for your role in the purge and did any other horror characters inspire you? I really, that's a good question. I, um, tried to steer clear of some of the more famous horror psychopaths that we can all name. Um, just because I didn't, I tried not to fall into some kind of stereotype or playing crazy that felt maybe inauthentic. Um, (laughs) so my preparation for the purge character was actually, I wrote a whole bunch of memories that would inform this character when we meet him basically. So what his relationship is like with his parents, does he have one, um, I, I mean, I, I had to really go at length about how and why this person could justify his belief, his fervent belief in the purge, which mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly <laughs> couldn't disagree with more. <laughs> I, I think it's a monstrous, terrible concept, blah, blah, blah. But this character has to really believe it. So I think that was the huge component for me um, to sort of build that person. And why was he so damaged that he would believe this? Um, so yeah, that was sort of my point. Yeah, I always think even if like the the if you if the person watching it like as a fan watching it, I you know if I don't know all your backstory and stuff, I always think if someone does that, like it adds some realism to uh to the role, even if you're not a, really like aware of it. It kind of fleshes totally. out the character, I think. I I agree. It's like the the slightest things like how your posture is. I mean, that's informed by so much of your life, how your accent is, how you're, how emphatic you are when you finish a sentence, how confident you are or aren't. I mean, yeah, I, I think there's so many subtleties that every one of us human beings, we're all experts on our fellow human being because we're surrounded by each other every day. So mm-hmm. you want to sort of make them feel complex. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this because you, you probably don't sit around Googling yourself. But if, when I Googled you to get some pictures to make a banner for the website, uh, one of the suggestions that come up is uh, Reese Wakefield as the Joker. And there's like all these fan-made pictures of you as the Joker. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it's a thing out there on the Internet. <laughs> uh, I have heard of this, yes. Um, uh, I have. It's, uh, it's <laughs> very cool. I think it's very complimentary. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. about I'm excited to see the the new one. I'm curious to see. I am too. The uh, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be really good. I mean, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great actor. So, yeah, that's very cool. So, uh, The Grandson, out on video on demand on the 14th, so uh, tomorrow or any, whenever you listen to this. And then in November, it's going to be on DVD. And uh, how can people follow you? Not like at your house, but how, online. <laughs> um, I actually don't have social media, which is All right, outrageous. Very good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's well, cool. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you. Oh, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. How you doing there? This is Lachlan Monroe, and I have my hat on, but you're listening to withoutyourhead.com.